Hello everyone, welcome to the Ask Host Podcast on a Thursday evening after a huge, huge, huge game against Nuremberg um, this evening. Um, yeah, look, I didn't get to watch it. And uh, I imagine a lot of Arsenal fans out there didn't get to watch it. But anyway, to try and get into it a little bit and to talk about all the things that have been happening in the transfer window since we last spoke, I've got Mice and Aaron and with me. Hello, boys. Hello, mate. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Aaron, for those who um, who can't see Aaron, well, actually, even for those who can see Aaron, what, what <laughs> no one will see is that Aaron got a personalised Arsaholics mic buffer thing. That's what, that's what you call them, right? But yes. sadly, sadly, what's happened, Aaron? So this is a kind gift from my brother, which was a very thoughtful gift. It's a lovely Arsaholics podcast custom mic cover thing very nice gift except for the fact it doesn't actually fit on the microphone so here it is i might just hold it up like a bit of cheeky product placement for five seconds i think i think it um, might fit my mic mate if you want to you angling see. for a yeah why not well, you know, unless you're uh, change your mic. Like <laughs> yeah. the cheeky the cheeky product placement even though we have our logo in the top right of the screen just, yeah, gonna, exactly. <laughs> just <laughs> save yourself a bit lad anyway um no it was uh i don't know if my brother's listening but i'm very grateful for the gift um and maybe you might see it on a coming soon to a microphone near you somewhere not sure where yet but we'll figure out make make sure if you order it you get one that fits (laughs) it's general life advice there yeah general life advice (laughs) exactly Very good. Very good. Says the man who's going to have a baby soon. <laughs> anyway. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Exactly. Um, so listen, everyone, please like, subscribe, share this podcast. Um, we really appreciate your support. And I always forget to ask, but uh, please do if you get a second and if you like what you're hearing. So, guys, we played Nuremberg today, and even though actually on the you know on the title of this episode it says preseason kicks off with a draw, we actually did kick off um, against Watford a few days ago. Uh, I don't, it wasn't really an advertised friendly. There were no, there were no, um, there was no no guests or no guests. No, there was no one in the in the um, audience for the game because I think it was behind closed doors at Colney. Um, but that was a one-all draw. And so was today. It was a one-all draw, but today was an opportunity, I suppose, for people to watch it because it was streamlined on uh, streamed on the Arsenal website. But behind a paywall, uh, I can watch it because I was at work. I think my you, you're the same. Aaron doesn't really do much work, so Aaron <laughs> and, um, did get to watch I watched, some of it. I watched the second half. You watched the second half. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, I mean. So we just skip analysing the first half and go to the second half. <laughs> I, 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 I guess, look, as, as, as always with, with pre-season, pre-season, it's all about fitness at this point, right, isn't it? It's, we've just got, you know, a mishmash um, of players who are going to come on at different points of the game and different combinations. And it's all just about fitness. I don't think anyone, including Arteta, cares so much about the execution of tactics, etc. Um, he, he might in the next friendly because, you know, when you get, I think, you know, two of these out of the way, maybe you start sort of progressing a bit further. But But at the same time, today... The starting eleven that I saw was um, was a was a pretty strong starting eleven, wasn't it? It's a sort of starting eleven that you may expect us to line up with in a in a Premier League game at the start of the season. Um, you know, notwithstanding some of the signings that potentially are going to come in. Um, I mean, 
Aaron, in like any any thoughts on that lineup and any any takeaways at all from um, you know from from the game? So honestly, I watched that game, and for the first like ten minutes, I was like, oh, it's quite nice. Footballers back, get to watch the Arsenal again. And I thought, oh, this is great. I can get some deep te- technical and tactical tactical insight ahead of uh, the podcast recording tonight. Nothing. I'll tell you what, I learned absolutely nothing from that game. <laughs> like, it was very nice for the players. I'm glad they got a run out. Um, and, you know, you got to see bits of bits of everything. You saw, like, so the starting lineup, it was good. <laughs> it's going to sound really average. I could, I'd love to tell you about the first half, but like I said, I didn't see it. So, um, I don't really know, to be honest. But it's nice that... Um, Look, it's purely a fitness thing. And then after 45 minutes, a lot, we made it six subs, I think. Kai Havertz came on. Uh, Gabriel Jesus came on. We changed the goalkeeper. Um, and then it was, yeah, it was okay. Like, it, we had a few chances. They had a few chances. Uh, they scored from a Carl Hein error. But did, did, was it, did they score? Did we, did we score an own goal there? Because it was sort of reported as an, as an own goal. Yeah, so it was Carl Hein had it he played it out to Jorginho who was kind of deep midfield it looked like basically the I'm not sure he it was basically a 50 50 because he played it really short it hit either Jorginho or the player bounced like in one touch and just rolled back into the goal um so proper preseason goal wasn't it yeah <laughs> Yeah, first game of preseason. Yeah, even it's a proper uh, preseason Arsenal goal, isn't it? Because there was a Carl Jenkinson famous own goal in preseason um, a couple of seasons ago. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. It was when he, that was when he just basically that when he turned around and basically finished it into his own net. You know, no, no, I, I think this was a it was a massive slice. So he like like smashed it and it went up in the air, and then it, it, it like went quite a distance. I want to say, and then it it kind of went in the net. <laughs> no, like, I don't remember that the one. keeper. Yeah, it was epic. I don't know if anyone can get it on YouTube <laughs> in the background. It was probably epic, but yeah, Mize, it was a proper, um, it was a proper preseason own goal. Um, but our two preseason scorers, like so, we had Marquinhos. I think he scored uh, the other week, and today uh, Saka scored like a, a brilliant goal at the start of the game, isn't it? Mize, did you see the goal? I saw the highlights, four minute highlights um, that were like, uh, what's lower than HD, like standard definition um with some spanish commentary on it uh very random yeah i saw the goal um yeah it's a continuation of what saka was doing last season really looks really sharp but i think you have to take into consideration who we were playing against i have no idea who he was up against on that um our right hand side there left hand side but it looked quite easy for him in terms of cutting inside but yeah it was a fantastic finish and Quite nice to see, actually, because Saka seems to be getting a little bit more. I know this is not the game to judge him on or judge the team on, but he does seem to be getting generally more goals and assists, but just a little bit more um, clinical in front of goal, which I think was maybe a little bit of a criticism right at the start of his, you know, when he first broke into the team. Um, and and now the output, um, he's delivering that output a lot more. So, yeah, nice nice to see. And it, well, yeah, it, was, it was a good goal. It was, it was a good goal, good finish. Were you surprised, mate, that... He was even starting because you see the the big thing from last season. One of the biggest takeaways from last season was how many minutes Bukayo Saka played. It's still very tender age, but you know it was testament to just how important he is to the team. Um, and then obviously he 
he played some games with England right after the season finished. So it wasn't like a straight kind of season season cutoff, really. He had the games for England where I think he started both those games, I want to say, um, and played a pretty big part in that second game where he, you know, he scored a hat-trick, didn't he? Um, and, um, and it doesn't seem like that was that long ago. And now, you know, he's starting today. I mean, does it, did it surprise you that we didn't give him an extended break? What did he play today? He played 45 minutes, did he? Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, yeah I think 45 minutes yeah. came up. I mean, point. yeah. No, I guess a little bit. Like, he's obviously gone pretty strong today with the starting lineup and then obviously yeah, rotated at halftime and in the second half. I, I just feel like with Saka, we saw it last season, he was basically fit. I think he was fit the entire season. And I guess in terms of all the tests that they must do and all the kind of analysis and the data that they look at, he must just be up there in terms of um, like consistently being fit, consistently kind of at the high levels of fitness, basically, whatever that means. But, you know, um, and maybe there's just, you know, they're looking at l- looking at that rather than saying, well, you know, what you just said, Raj, you know, he's played a number of games, he played a shitload of games last season and he's just played through the summer. We need to give him a bit of a break. But, you know, I think... This is preseason just started. There's what I think four more games in preseason. And like you just said, you know, we've got players to come back, players to come in, as in new players to come in. So I expect his minutes are going to make not necessarily be limited, but I guess it's just about getting him, sh- making sure he's sharp for the first game of the season, um, whilst also kind of like, I was going to say managing his minutes or managing his. Yeah, just managing him in general. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe he's just one of those things, mate, where he's just like off the charts in terms of that that kind of fitness record, as it were, and, and all of the data that they must look at. It's just one of those things where if he does pick up, you know, it, it, could, it could be in any game. It could be in preseason. It could be first game of the season. It could be at any time, like what happened to Saliba against Lisbon last season. Pick up an injury at the wrong time and it could, you know, it's just unlucky to a certain extent. But I don't know. I don't feel he's necessarily being overplayed as such but yeah it'll be interesting to see what we do for the rest of preseason because obviously he's going to be our first choice on that right hand side that's an obvious thing to say um and i think more more than anything we don't need to see what we're going to get from him on that side it's probably going to be more a case of who's going to be our right back going into next season and who's he going to be linking up with down that right hand side and also um yeah and just making sure that he's like fit and uh, sorry he's just sharp and ready to go for the first game more than anything else. Aaron, and how, how much do you think that they listen to players with respect to the mental side of it? So so I presume, you know, there's a part of this is about physical fitness, but there's also, which, which can be very measurable. You can do all these tests. Like Miser just said, you know, he clearly probably tests all the time, is you know, really, really fit and, and, and loads, of, um, loads of fuel in the tank. But the mental side's harder, right? I imagined in my mind that, they might want to give him an extended break just so he could mentally get away from football for, you know, an extended period of weeks. Uh, but obviously that seems like something which you can't measure too well and you really just have to ask the player. Do, do, do you think that there is even a question they would have asked Saka? And do you imagine that Saka's just a sort of guy who said, nah, man, I just want to play some football? Yeah, I think it's, it's the latter. I think he seems like a player who who just likes to play seems to be generally more available than not. And I think in this, in this environment, look, it's a, 
a nice pre-season sunny training camp in Germany. The vibes are good in the team. This isn't like you're throwing him into a a cup final after he's had like four or five weeks off. He's yeah. The idea of this is to build fitness, right? And I don't think no player played more than sixty minutes today. A lot of them came off after forty-five. Um, and and yeah, like I think nowadays the the sports science just says that actually. I mean, mentally it's different, but I think physically a lot of the players just need to do some level of activity pretty much all the time to maintain like their muscle, physique or whatever. And actually like you need to keep players moving just all the time because that's what yeah. like actually the, the on-off, the big on-offs of what like actually tends to cause injury. I'm not a sports scientist, so, but this is kind of what I've heard smarter people than me say. Um but yeah, I, I don't read into it too much in terms of fitness. This is what it's for, right? It was a very low-intensity game. I don't think they discuss much in terms of tactics or, you know, I doubt they even scouted the opposition before the game mm. or anything. So they're probably like, go out, just play, have some fun, get some fitness in, don't you know, stretch yourself too much. They probably even knew, like, look, you're going to play 45 minutes, you're going to play 50, you're going to play 60, um, and then condition yourself to, you know, be tired by the end of 45 because you know you're not going to play 90 minutes. And and just go on from there, yeah. I mean, look, even even towards the end of the game, there was no intensity. There was no... There were a few more chances towards the end as the game opened up a tiny bit, but actually a lot of that was down to actually some of the younger players that came on looked like they were trying to prove a point so um what's the name like Balogun was obviously came on the pitch um waters what's his name is it lewis lewis scully is that his name um yeah lewis yeah. scully yeah he he looked pretty good and when came on um so the game had a bit of a different edge to it towards the end because at least with young players like bakayo saka's got nothing to prove right he knows that unless he has an absolutely rubbish preseason he's going to be starting the first season of the the first game of the season but um like these younger players looked like they had something to prove and actually with Balogun Balogun missed I think two decent chances I don't know if you saw those in the highlights Mice, but mm-hmm. he so missed like yeah. two like two pretty decent chances um and I think for someone like Balogun like some of these fringe players preseason is a bit more important and actually we need to just see what they can deliver because if someone like Balogun has a good preseason, someone like Vieira has a good preseason, these are the types of players that really need to have a good preseason um, in terms of actually delivering a bit more impact. And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to see over this game or this game we saw a bit, but over the next coming games too. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, is there anything that we could have learned um, from from this game. So Kai Habits is is a topic that I perhaps want to get into in a little bit. So let's just park him for a second. Um but actually if we take say not just this game but you know what what we've sort of any other sort of signs in preseason can we read into anything is there is there anything going on that you know perhaps we can lead some conclusions into like say if I take an example right have you guys been watching any of the, any of the um kind of pre-season footage all of the access all areas type stuff yeah 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 what what are the what are the interesting things fabio vieira yeah so 
I was really surprised with how little muscle he's managed to put on in the preseason. <laughs> Firstly, yeah, that's a really random thing to start off with. I, I, I fair play, but um, I, I do think that often you see this when when players come to the Premier League, like after their first season that summer, they tend to bulk up, like some of these kind of slighter sort of players. You see, I don't know if you see, but like Mudrick, for example, there's pictures of him now versus when he joined Chelsea. Like he's like put on muscle, like mm. there's 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 clear muscle. So I'm very surprised at that. One, two, when, uh, when one of these videos, one of these compilations that Arsenal released, that you know all the players are sort of playing this sort of training game. I sort of heard like one of the coaches sort of repeatedly shouting to Fabio Vieira to get involved in the game. You know, kind of I can't remember the words that he used, but it was more like you know, give almost like do something basically he was basically saying worse if i can do something um now today Fabio Vieira wasn't starting but he ended up like randomly starting because Odegaard got injured in the warm-up which we hope is not going to be a long injury now when i was looking on on social media um about what was going on in the first half it seemed like Fabio Vieira was not playing well it felt it sounded like from the tweets I was reading was that it was almost a very similar performance to what he was doing last season. But actually, Aaron, and you thought in the second half that he was okay. Is there anything that anything that you saw from him in relation to anything that I've just said that you want to sort of build on? Uh, look, it's very hard to analyse any player's performance in that game. I thought, you know, the bits that I saw from Bieri looked looked okay. I mean, no one in that game was exceptional and no one in that game I didn't think was terrible. And even if they were, doesn't really matter. Um, uh, no, no, honestly, no. I think it's more like, I think he, he's one that I am really expecting to see kick on this season because we didn't see enough from him last season. Um, and actually you look at his role in the team, he's probably in that area of the pitch where we have potentially quite a lot of options because um, you've got him you've got Havertz you've got ESR you've got Trossard um, or like if you if you're talking like either on the the left eight position or even out wide on the left or even on the right um, he's not first or second choice in any of those positions um, I don't think so the question is like what what is his role going to be because a player like him, for him to really kick on, he needs minutes. Um, and I I really do struggle to see how he's going to get the minutes that will, that we kind of need for him to improve. Um, mm. So maybe it's one way he kind of has to just prove himself in the cup games, actually have a good preseason, hit the ground running. Whenever he does get those 10, 15 minutes in some of these games, he needs to come on and do well. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I, I do like him. I think, I think he's got something there. I think he's got a good pass on him. I think he's got, um, you know, he's really good on the ball, but it just seems to lack intensity and lack physicality. And um, let's see. I think, yeah, we need to see more. Yeah, agreed. Mice, um, something else is probably around the pathways for young players. I think that's one thing that we, you know, we we like to see in Aaron, and you sort of touched on some of it earlier. Ethan Waneri signed this new contract since we last did this podcast. 
Um, and it is huge news, right? Because he's the youngest ever Premier League player at 15 years and however odd months last season against Brentford. I believe it was Brentford away that he came on for, like broke that record. So that's a statement in itself. From all that we read, Man City, Man City and Chelsea did everything they could to convince him and his camp that he should be joining one of those teams. And it seems like actually it got to the point where it was generally felt in the football world that he was going to join Chelsea or Man City. Such was the offensive that those clubs had put over him. And then seemingly towards towards the end, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but he decided Arsenal was the right place for him. And as as I don't know if it's official, has it officially been announced? I think perhaps it has been officially. It has been officially yeah, announced. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, allegedly has made him the highest paid youth player um in arsenal's history basically so this is obviously a guy with you know bags of attention and potential and i think he came on today and there were some clips going on around on twitter of a particular bit of skill that he did which kind of looked um amazing and like powerful and driving kind of seemed like something that i recall you know oxlade chamberlain was doing sort of in his sort of peak at arsenal that kind of like just power running um and um but Miles Lewis Skelly during this whole this whole year, this whole kind of you know last season, has sort of gone under the radar a little bit. Like people haven't really been talking about him. But when you read some of these guys who 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 really follow the Arsenal sort of youth setup, they they seem to talk about Miles Lewis Skelly at the same sort of level as, as Ethan Wanneri. They talk about him as someone who is one of the big talents, young talents in the Premier League. And I, I sort of have wondered whether this is something that Arsenal have really enjoyed in terms of they've sort of enjoyed one prospect taking the shy, taking the the attention off one of these other ones. I feel that you know they probably felt that it could probably be quite good for Mars Lewis Skelly if if that limelight is taken away. And you know we've seen him you know with the first team squad um, here, and and actually he played a brilliant pass at the end of the game to Balogun, which is one that Balogun missed. Um, from what you've known or heard, Mize, is there anything you want to add to that? Can you see and and would you enjoy seeing him and, and Ethan Waneri kind of integrate into the Arsenal team properly this season? Yeah, I mean you as a I think especially as an Arsenal fan, like I we love seeing players come through the ranks, come through the academy and and kind of make it with the first team or go on to do what their potential might indicate they could do, you know, and there's been loads of examples of that from our academy in the past, like Fabregas, Wilshire, and obviously Saka Smithrow. Um, so it's it's just it's nice to see, obviously, and it's it's really really encouraging from an Arsenal um, like fan perspective that you know we seem to be producing quite a decent number in terms of quantity um, of these yeah talented youngsters that are on the cusp or on the verge of the first, maybe not on the verge of the first team, but, you know, in and around the first team squad with potentially, you know, they they, they might get an opening, they might get a chance to to break into the first team um, if there's injuries, if there's suspensions, that kind of thing. But I think you go back, you go back, what, three, four years now when, I mean, you take the Saka example, right? Saka was the one. Saka and Smith Rowe were the two, but you know, I think Saka was the one that everyone was watching to see what he might do if he got the chance in the first team. And you go back to that time and Arsenal were a completely different club, a completely different team, in a completely different kind of phase, I guess you could say, of of like evolution and 
yeah, just where we were as a, as a club. Um, it's changed so much basically in the last kind of three, three and a half years, years since Arteta came in. So I feel like it's going to be really, really difficult now for, for some of these promising, talented young players, even if they are, you know, being signed or yeah, being signed to either long-term or quite big contracts. I feel like it's going to be really, really difficult for them to break in. I mean, you think about um, Wanieri, where he plays, which I think is kind of like attacking midfield. And, you know, Aaron was just listing off some of the players that play in that position. And you add to that, you know, if you just look at the whole midfield, um, you're looking at players like Rice when he comes in and Thomas Partey. He's, you know, he's not going to be starting ahead of those guys anytime soon. So it's going to be those odd cup games. And when we potentially, when we have big problems in the squad in those areas, and we might need to call upon some of these youngsters, but you know, it's still really, really early for for them. Um, but yeah, I just I think it's gonna for any player to now really come through Hale End and make a real impact in the first team, I think they just have to be really, really special. Like Saka was special, Saka is special, and that's why he was able to. But I think, you know, timing wise, it was like perfect timing for him and it just worked out really, really well. Whereas I think now that talent, that player is going to have to be extremely special and it's much, much harder now to get that break considering when you look at the squad and you look at the depth in the, in the squad and you look at the level of players now um, and you look at the age of the players that are now starting in our first team, you know, they're all, not they're all, but a lot of them are, you know, 22, 23, 24, 25, you know, in that kind of age range with lots and lots of experience, you know, internationals. It's going to be really hard to display some of those players. So, I mean, I think in, uh, you know, the, the two players you mentioned, I think with those guys, they're still so young. I think when there is 16 and mm. Lewis Skelly's, I'm not sure actually how old he is, but I think about I think, the same because they both, they both signed the same scholar. Contract, okay. Yeah. Whatever age group that is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like plenty of opportunity for them to obviously have a couple of loans over the next few years. Um, and, you know, let's see how they do. Uh, and that tends to be the route that a lot of these players take. And I just think that the kind of what happened with Saka is like, I don't know, how often is that, re- you know, how often does that yeah. happen? How often is that going to happen? You look at Nelson, for example, Reese Nelson's gone on plenty of loans, kind of come back. And I know he's just signed this new deal, but, you know, he hasn't still really done it. He hasn't, you know, there's still kind of question marks about what his best position is. There's still question marks. So is he really you know, a first team Arsenal player. A lot of people would say no, um, but he came with all the kind of um, potential and promise in the world. So yeah, still a long way to go. Um, it'll be lovely to see them in and around the first team. But I think if you're 16 years old and you're looking at the players that are ahead of you, um, I don't think it's any shame if they're, you know, or, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing or a negative if these guys are, you know, you know going on, good loans this this next couple of years and and you know getting that experience getting minutes um maturing all of that and then seeing what the situation's like when they you know when they come back essentially yeah absolutely agree so look now um arsenal are going to move on to america now and the in the kind of next phase of preseason and um i think we play three games out there right i think it's uh is it chelsea man united oh no no it's um it's the it's mls stars then man united Barcelona and then Barcelona, right? In I yes. know Barcelona's the last one. I can't remember the order of the first two, but um, yes. Yeah, so, so that's coming up. So that should be exciting. That should be good to watch. Now, one of the things that we wanted to cover in today's episode was about the signings that look like they are coming in. So obviously, Havertz has already come in, and it looks 
look, like it looks like Timber and Rice are, I'm not trying to jinx it, but it looks like they're Arsenal players, basically. Yeah, like it seems like everyone is reporting them as more than done. They're just, you know, almost just uh, waiting to be announced or whatever. Um, So what we wanted to do is get into a little bit of what we think that might mean for the Arsenal squad and how the team sets up and what that could mean for some other players. But before I do that, this guy, David Ornstein, has this habit of tweeting about Arsenal whilst we're recording a pod, right? And so, uh, and Aaron, and, um, I mean, you know, the last time we did, it was the mega £105 million bid made by Arsenal. Now, there's something else Arsenal related has come. Similar figures we're talking about, right? Now, Aaron, and what, what has just been reported by David Ornstein? It's absolutely huge news in in terms of the... In terms of the context of all of football, I think, not just transfers, uh, Rob Holding uh, seems like Besiktas have bid 2.5 million for (laughs) Rob Holding. And um, it sounds like it's going to be rightfully rejected. I mean, that 2.5 million, that, 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 that that must just be a down payment for negotiations or something right? like <laughs> yeah. just the right to enter negotiations. This is way below my valuation. Guys. What we'd so we did our transfer episode last, last <laughs> week, two weeks ago. What did you say, Raj? How much did you say it was worth? So despite you inflating what I actually said, I said, <laughs> I think we should, we should be able to get 15 to 20 million for it. 20 million. Okay. So you think he is? I had good logic. You didn't say what currency there, but twenty million rupees. Yeah, but my logic, which I still stand by, is: is he a Premier League quality defender? Yes, I think he's a Premier League quality defender. Oh, is he still a Premier League? Qual- I don't know. What do you mean he's still like? He was playing minutes. He's not. He's not championship club. quality, is he? Yeah. I mean, if he's, no, he's not championship, fine. He's not championship. He's quality. probably bottom end. Yeah, Premier League. How much, those idiots play so much money for players. That's true. Yeah, if it, if it's a Premier League team, but right now he is Turkish Super League level of of interest. Oh mate, at twenty seven years old, right? is he only twenty seven? Yeah, he's not. Mm. An, he's not, bro. These are all the reasons I listed last week. He is not like a two and a half million euro player or whatever. That, that's I keep forgetting. Yeah, I remember you said this last old. time as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's twenty seven. I think he's well, only got a year left on his deal, right? Which yeah, I uh, yeah. like. Maybe factors, but I agree. Two and a half is very, very low. Like who does who do Luton think they are for not bidding for this guy? Yeah. Like who do, who do they honestly like? <laughs> he he will help keep you up. I don't understand like why there is this. Like I, he definitely is not Arsenal quality. He's definitely not top six. But don't get me wrong. But why is no one bidding for this guy? I can understand why the Saudis aren't interested because I think that that should be like a weird fit, you know. But. But surely there's like a lower half Premier League club that wants it. This is ridiculous. I'm glad to hear that it's been rejected. But I think you said 20, 15 to 20 million. That, uh, like that is high, mate. I can't see us getting anywhere near that. Like I think if we get 10, which I think is what I was sort of going for the last time we spoke. Oh. So would you, let, let's play a game. Would you sell him for eight? Myers, yes yeah. or no? Eight? Yeah. Yes? Raj? Yeah. No, eight look, million? I told you, he's the Chris Wood of centre-backs. That <laughs> no, was what right. I said eight, last time. Eight million bid comes okay. in tomorrow. Cash, no. all in. No, yeah. ten. No. Some no. Do you know why he is the sort of player that some club will come in for later? Like, right, no, you no, know no, when they how, do how, all how their stuff, million. they realize they can't 10 get million their top comes, fifteen. All right, fine. Choices. Ten million comes in on deadline day. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. I want him to be sold this window. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. So 
absolutely. So, sorry, I take eight million for him on deadline day. Okay. Yeah, but, but if not... someone bid eight million now, nah, man. Okay. Why? Right, okay. What? So you think you think someone else is going to come in with more? You think there's going to be competition I for him? So. I think so. You never know towards the end. As I said, yeah, they've gone through their first fifteen choices. They couldn't get them, and now they've got <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, he's a he's a reliable bet. I mean, you it's know quite, what you're going to get. It's quite funny, isn't it? Because you think of Harry Maguire right now, not when. Eighty yeah. odd million, and you look at him now, and you think you'd probably compare the two players in some ways. And uh, I know one of them plays for Man United regularly. One of them plays for England, captains in. Oh no, captains in, but you know, plays for England, yeah. and the other doesn't. But equally, like I'd, I'd really be struggling to to pick who I'd rather start for us if we had both players, <laughs> which tells you a lot about like how mental that eighty million was for. He still starts for well. Well, that by that logic, then Rob Holding should be getting games for England, then, right? <laughs> I think it's the other way around that neither of them should be anywhere near. Yeah, but I, think and... the, I think the undisputable point to, to Miser's point, right, is there's no like, there's not like a 60, 70 million delta between these players. Yeah, right? yeah, like, exactly. It's like, it's insane. I don't know, man. Poor guy. Like, whatever. Anyway, look, it's been rejected. Um, so, yeah, let's see how that goes. Uh, okay, look, let's talk about these players that, that um, we know are going to be Arsenal players. So Havertz is the one that everyone's talking about profusely at the moment in terms of where Arteta sees him. Um, and what was really interesting is after this game, I don't know if you guys saw, but they, I think um, an interview asked Arteta about Havertz and where he sees Havertz playing. And Arteta gave the most like kind of diplomatic type, um, obviously nonsense answer of, oh, you know, we're kind of basically where's the effect of we're going to have to see how it goes, you know, in preseason and see where, you know, he fits and where everything, you know, whatever, which is obviously BS. He's not signed him with no clue as to where he intends on playing him. Like That's absolute nonsense. So he's not giving anything away. But Aaron, do you know where Havertz played today? Like, where was he roughly positioned or, yeah, any any clues there? He, he definitely played on the left side. He was like... He kind of floated between that left eight, left wing role. Um, But honestly, it was so hard to tell because, you know, players, he came on the second half and we were changing around systems. uh, And Ketia was on for a bit and Balogun was on. Then uh, various other players came on the pitch. But he was in and around the the left side of the pitch. Didn't didn't do a lot, to be honest. Um, had Had a half chance where I think he should have done done better but um yeah it was really hard to tell but it was definitely on the left side of the pitch now whether that's completely out wide or you know what his movement was between kind of let that left eight left wing it was kind of too hard to tell but yeah he's not i initially thought when we were first linked with him that he would play on the right like in the odegaard role as a kind of rotational option but that definitely doesn't seem to be the case, at least based off on today. Um, and actually, you mentioned Arteta. There was actually a quote that he said on Habits today. It wasn't that interesting, but he did say, like, I'll read it out. He said, he's not a replacement for Xhaka. He's not going to be a like-for-like because everybody's going to be very different to what Granite gave us. It'll be very different, but Kai has tremendous qualities for our way of playing. Um, so... I take it from that, which is more like he will be the attacking version of Granite Xhaka rather than the defensive version of Granite Xhaka. 
at least when it comes to getting into the box. Because there were times last season where I can't remember, was it Man United at home where like Granite Xhaka, we were just like lobbing late crosses in and Granite Xhaka was making runs into the box. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've seen it so many times where yeah, Granite Xhaka gets the ball and then yeah, to, to be fair, he did a pretty decent job at the attacking part, but he obviously, it wasn't his natural game, right? His like ability to take a player on wasn't there. His ability, his finishing was you know, decent, but never amazing. Not that, Havertz has only sh- actually shown any decent finishing abilities, but certainly that I look at that re- like that late run into the box, that that kind of additional man in the box, and the ability. Yeah, you know, whilst he's not his finishing ability isn't amazing, he kn- he knows how to score goals. Um, that is what I think Arteta would want from Havertz, and look, hopefully we get the rice deal over the line, and I think. I think the idea is that they complement each other quite well. I think Declan Rice seems like someone who you can, you know, a bit like Partey did, but almost more like leave on your own a bit. And he will do a job just covering that midfield if you left him there. And that means Habits can vacate the space. Uh, Odegaard can vacate the space and, and Rice will kind of mop up and and win the ball and keep the pressure on. And I think if you're keeping the pressure on, you want players who can add that firepower into the box but um mm. to counter that and i can see russ has said this like habit signing still has me scratching my head i am still a bit doubtful because whilst the theory and the tactical idea is is pretty spot on i think and it could work there still is a gamble on him actually doing it and, and, and this is an idea that yeah exactly this is just an idea that we've put together as a fan base yeah and i Based on what I've seen from him at Chelsea, I am a bit skeptical. Like it still is a huge gamble on if we can essentially make him consistent, consistently deliver what we need him to do, and do it with the level of discipline that is required for that role. Um, and I haven't seen it. He's just. He just seems so inconsistent habits um, and he seems so hit and miss. And he, he sometimes I've never, he's not, he doesn't typically strike me as the Arteta type of signing, which is why it's so intriguing. Cause I want to see like the idea that Arteta could fix him is really exciting. But if you purely take the last two years, I'm, I'm not convinced yet. Obviously. I think, I think a part of that, though, like I think we have to factor in a couple of things, right, from his time at Chelsea. So one, he was playing predominantly through the middle, like as their forward, because they didn't have anyone else. That's but definitely not... play him there as well, right? And how I don't know how well he does for Germany in that position, but for Chelsea, he was not good, not not good, <laughs> yeah. constantly mm. offside, mm. Mm-hmm. finishing not great. But I think the other thing that kind of I think can be quite big for a lot of players is just inconsistency around like Chelsea, the last what three years he's, I think he's been there three seasons. They've obviously just gone through so much as like a club in terms of ownership managers have changed three times, I think two, three times. Um, And I think for some players, maybe just not being in kind of like a settled team or a settled dressing room with the same manager, like that could potentially just have a really big impact. And if you're not being played in the position that you want to be played in or you feel like you're the that you can excel in 
you know, it could just be a combination of factors. It means just that's the reason why he didn't, it just didn't happen for him at Chelsea for the most part. But mm-hmm. if you look back at why Chelsea signed him, that like, I remember when they signed him and I was super jealous because he was a, he was a huge signing for them in terms of money. And he was like one of the hottest properties in Europe. And there was obviously a reason for that. He was tearing up the Bundesliga for one of the more average, well, I say average teams, but basically not one of the top teams, Leverkusen, as it, if you think about Dortmund and, and Bayern as being the sort of two top teams there. And um, yeah, he was scoring goals. He was, I think he was playing um, sort of in various positions, similar to, similarly to what he's done for Chelsea. But um, yeah, there was clearly a player there. So I don't know. I feel. I just feel like anyone who joins us now, like current Aaron and said, right? Arteta obviously knows what he. Well, both of you said Arteta knows what he wants from any new players that he he's targeting and he's identifying as. You know, that's that's the guy I want. Same with Rice. Same with Timber. I think we've just probably got to have. Not. So, I was going to say faith, and maybe it's a little bit. I don't think it's. I was going to say blind faith. It's not blind faith. It's faith based on what Arteta has been able to do in terms of implementing a system and then finding the right players to fit that system over the last couple of seasons with the players that he's brought in. And generally the success rate of the players he's brought in has been really, really good. It's been very, very high. So I've got, you know, I've got massive faith in bringing him in and him doing well. Um, and yeah, I can, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I also think he's going to be playing, he's basically a replacement for Xhaka. And I think if we, it's quite interesting because when we were previously linked with Declan Rice, and Havertz kind of before Havertz that that conversation even started or, or that news even came out. I was thinking that we're signing Rice and he's potentially playing two positions. He can play as the DM because there wasn't really any talk about Party leaving either. So it's kind of like Party as the DM or Rice or both of them. But there might be some games where Rice plays in Jacker's position. But now we've we're going for, we've got both or going for both. I think ninety nine percent sure that he's going to be predominantly playing in, in that Xhaka role. But yeah, he's just going to do, I would like to think, an even better job going forward, like you said, Aaron, and on the attacking side um, than what Xhaka, even what Xhaka was able to do with seven goals, seven assists last season. So I'm I'm super excited for this, for, for him. Mm. I'm really, really, well, sorry, to see him and to see kind of, yeah, it, 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 there's a little bit of a question mark about exactly where he's going to play um, because we could be completely wrong. But I think overall, in terms of just the signing and the quality, potential quality of the player, still really young, man. Like, he's what, 23, I think? Mm. Is that right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple I years older than... Saturday, the one thing, really, like, the one you know. thing I'd say is, if we get a season from Havertz, or many seasons from Havertz, that are equal, if not better, than what we got from Jacker this year, I think Arteta would have done a phenomenal job. Um, because that, like, Jacka was really good. Right, and I don't know how many goals he got, goals and assists he got, Xhaka last season, but seven and seven, I think it was. Yeah, so if we can get like ten goals from Havertz, I don't know how many goals he got for Chelsea last season, but mm. um, ten, twelve goals from that position consistently, that would be really, really good. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, and and that for Arteta to do that to almost say, look, I'm going to pay 60 million for this guy, even though he hasn't consistently did it, done it at Chelsea, and then turn him into 12, 13, 14, even 15 goals a season from a attacking midfield position, that would be incredible work. Uh, incredible yeah. scouting, incredible foresight, and incredible, like, a, a risk, right? But there is, it's, I think people are just assuming that 
maybe this is credit to like how the scouting and integration of players has gone so far. People are assuming that it's going to be easy and that it's going to work straight away. But I don't know if you go off the last two years and you're, you're putting a lot of faith in this whole Chelsea are a mess. Chelsea can't get the best out of anyone, which to be fair has a lot of merit, but you know, it's almost like saying, look, he's actually got to step up now going from Chelsea to Arsenal. Cause actually the, how things have changed, like the level has gone up. Right. Previously, with guys like Willian, they were using Arsenal as their you know, their final big contract and a, a step down from Chelsea. But now Havertz has got like one of Chelsea's probably biggest and probably most best players in the last two three years has got to step up when it comes to playing for Arsenal and to get into this Arteta side, which is yeah. going to be interesting. Hopefully, he can do it. Like hopefully, Arteta can turn his attitude around, his consistency, his mental uh, like ability to just really be in at the intensity of his game but yeah i'm just saying like the the bits the data that i have is like the last two three years at chelsea right and i see a a good promising player but someone who in big games sometimes like doesn't doesn't turn up Apart yeah, from the Champions League final. Apart from the Champions League <laughs> final yeah 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 which he's which he, yeah, yeah. admitted in interviews effectively you know saved his kind of the reflection of his season you know he even says that season itself he was he wasn't very good either but look i think we all accept and we all uh, um you know were very comfortable in saying that arsenal would have done incredible amounts of due diligence on whether he was the right kind of player for them and and you know they fully back the manager and his ideas so um you know and, and russ's point here is is completely right for the money we paid he, he isn't on the bench is he i mean i i totally agree with that i, I mean i suppose the the counter to that is i can imagine us just rotating more generally anyway um so there probably aren't you know there's probably gonna be a bunch of players who aren't bench players but they're not you know they're just rotated um but i agree with russ like he i, I think there's there's definitely a specific role in mind that he has for habits here the thing that i suppose as fans that you know it keeps us guessing a little bit is that we're basing a lot of this on the on the assumption that we play in a very similar way to we did last season. And so when we are thinking about how this all shapes up, we, we think with that in mind. I think the other reason why people are sort of assuming that he takes this Xhaka role is because if he doesn't take this Xhaka role and if he's actually intended somewhere else, I'm not sure how the rest of the pieces of the puzzle are supposed to fit together. And I guess that goes on to that, probably brings us on nice to Declan Rice. Declan Rice, we, we, we know is, you know, probably going to be an Arsenal player very, very soon. And I can't imagine a scenario where the plan is for a Declan Rice parte central midfield. Like I can't imagine that to be the case. I can imagine that happening sometimes because of, you know, certain game situations. But I I imagine that when you sign a player like Declan Rice at the age of 24, which is which is young, but it's not like some kind of, you know, random raw 19-year-old. And you're, pay, you're paying that much money for that guy. You, you're probably saying, you're probably not signing him to play in a completely different position than he's played up to this point. So it may be that he's asked to do other things and it's probably definitely going to be the case that he's asked to do other things that he is from West Ham. But I can't imagine a situation where we've signed Declan Rice to to play predominantly in the Xhaka role, which I don't think either of you were saying, but, you know, and, and I agree that I think he gives us some optionality. Um, but at the same time... Um, you know, there is an argument to say that, like, Kai Havertz is a forward player who is more likely to play in those forward positions. Does that make you guys think that there are other 
ideas that Arteta has with other players coming into that kind of the, the Xhaka type role, um, whether it's Fabio Vieira, whether it's uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, whether it's Ethan Duaneri, or do you see us going back into the market? I'll, Aaron, thoughts? Uh, I don't think we will... I don't think necessarily we're going to go into a mark into the market for a player that will change us. So I don't think we're going to do anything different. I think if we go for one more attacking player, and I think there's only space for at best one more attacking player, um, it'll be for like more of what we have, right? Like more of the types of players we have. But to be fair, we've got kind of all sorts of types of players now in mm. those three attacking positions. Um but I do agree with you, Raj, is that I think we'll see this preseason a new system emerge. Now, whether we'll play that system during the the first Premier League game of the season is a different thing. But I do think we will experiment with something. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if that means, I don't know, like no no striker, like a false nine type system with Gabriel Jesus maybe out wide because Saka, we like we say Saka's not going to play and Saka's being rested. We play Gabriel Jesus out wide and we play, I don't know, Martinelli as some kind of inverted forward with Havertz and Odegaard behind it. I don't know, like some some weirdness and some madness that we are probably, like us mere tactical mortals, will <laughs> never understand. Um, and I think Havertz probably does play into that thinking that I don't think it's completely unlikely that we say, look, if we're going to play the, the old Arsenal way of last season, we could easily just do that by playing Partey and playing Dak Declan Rice where Xhaka was. Right. And you get something probably quite similar to what we had last season. Um, Or you say, no, we're going to find a different way of playing. We play Declan Rice a bit deeper and we do something else with habits and how he fits in. Um, I think that's possible. Um, I wish I was smart enough to predict and come up with some elaborate plan of how it could work. Because actually, with the players we have, we have so many different types of attacking players now. You can kind of do anything. Um, the only real profile that we don't have now is like a, a Giroud-type striker. Um, but you could argue that maybe someone like Balogun could eventually come into that type of role. But he's not really that type of player yet. Um, but we've got so many different types of players that we could come up with something different. Um, I don't know. What do you guys yeah. think? Well, yeah, I mean, my, my, probably to you, do, do you think that building on that, I mean, do, do you think that from an Arsenal perspective, it could be that we don't go into next season with many traditional central midfielders? So if you look at the sort of traditional ones, I suppose, Declan Rice, um, Thomas Partey, Elneny, Jorginho, I guess that's four, but they're all very, they're all very similar types in terms of their more deeper players. Um, do, do you think that it's just that we're going to explore other options, other types of players in these kind of, you know, or is it is it a different formation or, or, or what is it? I mean, those those four. I mean, yeah, those four. I'll take Elneny out of it to be honest, because not mm. in a disrespectful way, but I feel like. You know, if he if he's going to be playing Premier League minutes, that means three other players, assuming we keep Thomas Partey, have probably no. got injured. I mean, he, um, he should have the two and a half million euro bid from Besiktas. But that is that is just swap the names and that fits. Yeah, yeah, agree. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I think we take that, wouldn't we? Um, so I kind of feel like with those three, if 
I'm basing this on we are going to be playing one holding midfielder, right? And I think bringing in Declan Rice, he's just so... he His kind of... I mean, the stats back this up as well, but defensively, like, his ability to sense danger, to intercept, to break up play, you know, just tackling in general, all of those attributes, all of his defensive attributes... He's fantastic in that role. So I kind of feel like we're spending the money and going massive on one of the best defensive midfielders, defensive midfielders, sorry, probably in the world, but let's just say in the Premier League, um, because we're happy, we're content with him being that sole defensive midfielder and everyone ahead of him, essentially, I don't want to say like they're just attacking players, but you know, <clears throat> all of the players ahead of him pretty much have the license to do what they're good at, if you know what I mean. Whereas I think before, Thomas Partey has been fantastic in that role as well, but we couldn't rely on him for a whole season. Xhaka was in the team. Xhaka was having to drop in quite a bit. Um, but I feel like with Declan Rice is just a massive upgrade in that position. Um, so I kind of feel like with those three, if we're looking at, if we keep Partey, Price is your starter and Jorginho as a squad player. I'm quite happy with that as options. Mm. And I think ahead of that, we've got loads and loads of options. You know, we currently we've got kind of three strikers at the moment. We've got options on both sides in terms of, you know, like they're not going to name the players, but yeah, Saka, all of those guys, you know, all of the wide players. And then we've got all of these kind of Erdogardi type players that not really sure where the likes of Vieira and Smithrow necessarily fit in in this team, but they're options, you know, they're squad players that we can hopefully utilize this season. So I'm kind of like, okay with who we have in the squad, you know, assuming Rice does come in um, and the options we've got. I think if we, I think the concern is if we start to, you know, if we look at losing, if we say, let's say party does leave this, this window, then, then there's a massive concern because really I would want to have, if Rice gets injured, for example, you need to have a good standard, very good standard first player to come in if they're playing such a key role in the team as well. So ideally, I'd want to be keeping Thomas Party um, this, you know, yeah, for another season, basically. Um, different system. It's hard to predict, man. Like you just like no one would have predicted what Arteta was going to do with Xhaka 12 months ago. No one, no one predicted that. I don't think anyway, I don't think any of us did. Um, and so it's kind of hard to know, like, yeah, like what Aaron had said, there might just be some like craziness or there might just be a completely different system that we're working on that we might start to see in preseason. Um, so it's very, very hard to predict. And like, we're not, yeah, we're not like tactical experts to know what is the best system for this Arsenal team. But I hope that he's working on kind of a plan B and a plan C, you know, because I think we might we're going to need it, right? Like, I think that's one of the probably criticisms of, of not necessarily criticisms, but one of the improvements that we can definitely make. Um, you know, I feel like we've only ever had one way to play this last season or so. Um, and Havertz is an interesting one because one thing that he probably doesn't really get recognized for is he's a very physical player. Like he's very tall. Um, he's very good, like bringing the ball down. He's meant to be really good in the air, but I think when you watch clips of him at Chelsea, he's missed loads of headed chances, but he's meant to be really good in the air. So like, is he going to be that kind of X factor player that, you know, when it comes to the last 10 or 15 minutes and we need a, we need a goal, he's the one who goes up top and we start launching balls into box. I have no idea, just speculating, but yeah, like I definitely hope that we're working on 
alternative plans because I think like we're going to need it this season for sure. We're going to need it just going forward. I can see uh, so many goals next season with like Saka just crossing it in late to Havertz just running in and Havertz just heading it in. Like, mm. I don't know, in my head, I just see that happening. Because I remember it happening quite a few times with Jacker. Like, yeah, yeah, it was it was a move. Getting, it was a move. The back getting post, those, yeah. yeah, those back post headers and it's Jacker. So we were like, what the hell's going on? Like, well, what is this? Um, and look, I think you're right, like this system stuff. We like you said, Myers, like, we didn't we didn't think about this stuff like a year ago, right? With Jacker Jacker doing what he was doing. Uh we had Tierney who was you know, our best left back a year and a bit ago. And then Arteta's like, sod this. I'm going to put Zinchenko there. And all of a sudden, everyone's talking about inverted fullbacks and uh, look at what Timber's doing, Zinchenko going into midfield and all that stuff. Um, that was new. Um, so there, I th- that's kind of why I think he'll, there'll be something new this season because Arteta is just so, like, he is one of the best, tactically minded coaches in in the world or in the, in Europe right now like probably second to Pep um and Pep does wild things with his center backs like what if yeah. what if Arteta starts doing some of that stuff and starts playing William Saliba in midfield or something like that um like I don't think that's going to happen but who knows right um I think we're so confident so lucky to have a manager that's tactically very ahead of what most of the league are doing like man united man united have only just discovered how important it is to have goalkeepers that can play out from the back um <laughs> this summer like we were doing that three years ago when we were like all at like, three years ago we were like oh we gotta get rid of leno because he can't play out from the back and he's not that good and we've got ramsdale in um so so yeah like who knows what like I, I think just such is the confidence and such is the belief in this manager, the team, the scouting, that yeah, like Havertz doesn't look like a player that I would personally play sixty million for. But I'm just like, yeah, go go for it, and I trust you. Um, if you think this guy is going to be good, just see how it works. Yeah, and- yeah, agree, agree, mate. I mean, it just and and the last player I wanted to talk about is Jurian Timber, so again seems like that deal is done i think there were some pictures that went around a couple of days ago about him having a farewell party and and, and stuff like that in in holland and um yeah seems like any day now will be announced really interesting thing on this one that is the narrative on arsenal social media so on, on, on the arsenal twitter sphere is that this is a guy who's coming in to play as an inverted right back as an alternative to ben white that's the thing that's been spoken about a lot um and I admit, you know, I've not watched the guy. I, I so I, I read all of this stuff, and I'm like, okay, perhaps that's that's how it is. But I just did some like research prior to this pod. Uh, Timber didn't play one minute at right back last season for Ajax. He played every single minute at centre back, and the season before that, he played basically about ninety ninety five percent of his minutes at centre back, like a little bit at right back. So, I, and I don't, I didn't go past like, before that. So you're basically saying like this guy is a centre back who occasionally played right back a couple of seasons ago or the season before last. But this 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 assumption's being made that he is an alternative to Ben White. 
where do you guys sort of stand on this? Is is that what your assumption was, or or did, or you know, and I'll go, go to you, Miser. Did you assume that he was going to be effectively the new Rob Holding, i.e., like kind of, uh, uh, well, probably more than just backup for Saliba, as in just you know the alternative centre back to Saliba? Yeah, I think I think my assumption was he was coming in as a. It's really interesting you say that because of what you just said about where he's played previously, because I didn't know that to be fair. Um, so yeah, my assumption was kind of what everyone's been saying. He's coming in as potentially competition for right back uh, for Ben White, sorry, at right back, or possibly to take Ben White's place. I mean, what there's so many possibilities here, isn't there? Because and this is what I love now about the squad that we're building, because you could you could say that Ben White was fantastic last season at in that position. But I don't necessarily think if you're looking at attacking fullbacks, he's one of the best, if you know what I mean. Like he's a solid right back, or he was a solid right back last season. But I think if you you can get a bit more from that position, um, especially when it's Saka who you're playing behind. And he overlaps quite well and everything. And, you know, I'm sure he got his fair share of assists, but I think there's definitely an improvement there. And maybe that's why they've looked at a player like Timber because he does like to get forward he's a ball carrying defender or may and maybe that maybe they're looking at well Ben White was brilliant alongside Gab Ben White was brilliant was brilliant as a center back two seasons ago maybe we kind of put him back into that pool of center backs and let them kind of fight it out as it were between Saliba Gabriel Ben White and I guess Kirill um and that's why like we don't really know to be honest mate like I I presumed he was coming in as right back competition but but maybe not based on what you've just said um but i think this is this is what i was just just coming back to what i was saying like this is what i love we've got all of these players you look across the defense you look across the midfield you look across the attackers there's players where you don't it's not so much you don't know what their best position is but they're comfortable playing in multiple positions and I, i'm going to be saying this all through the season on this podcast i'm going to be saying it loads of times i've said it loads of times before i think we all have you've got to look at the city model and you've just got to look at you know they don't necessarily they do obviously like harlan's a striker kevin de bruyne is a number 10 whatever but you know in some of the other positions their players can play multiple you know they can play in different positions yeah. they can take they can you know fill in they can alternate they can change it halfway through a game um, you know, and, and they have those options. So I think that's, that's what I'm looking at. Like, and I also think this is the season, like Arteta's had quite a bit of criticism for not really rotating that well. Um, not really changing. Yeah. Not really rotating that well. That's pretty much it. You know, he's, he, I think he sticks to a, I don't know, like let's say nine core players. I made that number up, you know, like he has a, he has a, like, it's very easy to predict who he's going to play every game. And maybe that's just because circumstances, Previously, you know, it meant has have meant that he has to play the same team because that's you know they're the best players. But now I think it's it's not as clear who who the best players are, uh, and I think we have much more of a kind of level squad where the level has gone up a lot. So I'm looking at this season as potentially being the season where we don't play the same starting eleven every game, and we do rotate, and we're going to have to do that with Champions League. So. Yeah, maybe it's just not as rigid as is it Ben White or is it Timber or is Timber a right back or is it a centre back? But maybe it's more a case of well, he can play both positions and we can play both of those players as and when we need to. And uh, and I think that's that's what I'm hoping for really because then that indicates that we have a squad of top top players. 
Yeah, well said, mate. I think the other thing that I'll compare to City, and, and I wonder whether you know Arteta is going in that direction, is one of the, the really interesting takeaways I found with with what Pep Guardiola said after they won the Champions League. I remember, I can't remember who asked the question, but it was a question around what's changed this season. And he talked about defensively, and he, he, he just said that he, he goes, defensively, we have better one-on-one defenders now. And I think he said some other stuff, which then when you analyze it, you look at it and he's basically at times going into games where he's got four centre-backs, like four four people who are predominantly centre-backs. If you look at what Arteta is doing, it's not, in some ways not that similar, right? Because he's, he's taken Ben White, who was, you know, a centre-back and he's deployed him as a right-back. Kibior, who is kind of playing at centre-back and allegedly plays more centre-back, centre-back, uh, defensive midfield or whatever, you know, he's been playing him at left-back more recently. Timber, it could very well be that Timber, it, it, the intention absolutely is to play him as a right-back, even though, you know, he's he's been playing predominantly centre-back because that might just be Arteta having a very similar mentality to Pep to think that, you know, he's got these really sort of talented cogs. But when it comes to um, how he uses some of these kind of wide defenders, he knows he's going to get in situations where he, he's going to have to kind of rely on them to come into very central areas and sort of defend properly and be very kind of stoic and actually take on. And when they're in wide areas, really provide that kind of challenge to wingers. So, uh, yeah, I, I wonder whether actually they just have, they're so similar in their principles. They're so similar in how they see football and what's required to win in the Premier League and the Champions League. I wonder if it's just a similar evolution to that. But I completely echo everything that you said. I really hope that this is the season where we go into games and we're actually not sure what the lineup's going to be. And that's not in a bad way. Like, you know, we are we are genuinely kind of, it could be a variety of options and all those options would be interesting options. Um, I suppose a final thing, question to you, Aaron, is um, these are the three signings that it seems like are kind of, you know, Habits, Timber and, and Rice are the ones that are, effectively the, the the done ones uh it, it it sounds like all reports seem to suggest we're going to be focusing on outgoings there's been some link with a brazilian central midfielder today um that that is kind of sprouting about a 23 year old from gremio I, I can't even remember his name um but um th- there was also some links with lavia a little while ago do you see any more incoming business from arsenal i think I kind of I'm secretly hoping for one more. Um I think a lot of it will depend though on who goes and where, right? I think if Thomas Partey goes, that leaves a bit of a hole that we need to fill. Uh but if he stays, then actually like what if if Balogun or Enketia go, then I mean, maybe that that opens up there. Like maybe there's a possibility that someone goes on loan in uh in one of those attacking positions like again i can't see Vieira going anywhere but then we've got smith rowe who's going to knock about and who looked pretty decent in the euros for the under 21s this you know a few weeks ago so i don't know i think there's a there's a risk that like i think there's a few players here unfortunately seems like one um who else was there? Like, I think Elneny will still be around. But like we discussed on our transfer episode, I think it depends. Like, if Balogun stays and Eddie Nketiah stays, 
and Reese Nelson is staying, Smith Rowe stays, Vieira stays. Like, how do you sign someone and give them minutes? I don't, I don't understand how you make that work. Unless there's a big, big injury, which I hope, which would be a bit a real shame if that did happen. Uh, no, so I, I'm really intrigued. Um, mm. Like I know we've talked about the city model, but I still think with a lot of, especially new signings, you need to give them minutes so they bed in. Right, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. beauty of last season was actually, yeah, we did play eight, nine players pretty much every game. But those eight, nine players, because they played every game, became really good and became a team that True. knew each other really well. Um, now, how are we going to get that if we are rotating? That's going to be hard. Um, but there are more high, there are more first team, first team type games because you're going to have the Champions League, you're exactly. going to have the Premier League, and actually, I can see a situation to say like, no, we don't have like a premier league or champions league team but what we do have is okay we've got a champions league game a big champions league game midweek but we might have i don't know uh palace at home or something like that and actually we rotate for palace at home before the champions league and actually you might see the likes of Vieira. like if we're no, i can't remember if there was a game i can't remember what it was i think we we talked about there was a period where last season where i think mys you were saying like saka should be rested i think it was against leeds at home and then we're playing Forest at home or something like that. And Arteta basically just played the first 11 back to back. And he didn't change it. Um, and those are the types of games where we need to rotate. Um, we can't be playing Saka, Jesus, uh, Saliba, all those guys three times a week, that 20 weeks in a row. It's just not going to work. So, so yeah. Um, do I think anyone else will come in? I hope so, because new signings are fun. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like I think it would very much depend on if the money comes in for someone else as well, because there is a financial side of things as well as the squad depth side of things. But I can also imagine towards the back end of the window, there's that classic period of there suddenly become some deals to be done that you didn't know about at the beginning. And I wonder if we're a bit agile in that respect. I mean, one that one that's interesting that just sort of popped up today was, you know, Aston Villa being linked with that Musa Diaby from Leverkusen. Uh, I found that really interesting because I remember, you know, he was one of the names that was being touted as this, um, as a potential incoming right winger for Arsenal to be the kind of Saka alternative. And people at the time were saying, yeah, this is an £80 million player. So can you really, you know, maybe Arsenal won't spend that much for sort of a rotational kind of right right winger. And Villa seemed to have bid £30 million for him. And apparently he's pushing for a move to Villa. So if they bid thirty million for him, I can't imagine that the valuation is eighty million. I can imagine maybe you know that they'll settle for you know I don't know forty or, or whatever. I don't know. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to see if he's someone that Arsenal actually were interested in, and I wonder if like they could move for a player like that if they think they're going to get a good price, or maybe you know Reese Nelson is someone that they think that no, this season can take some minutes at, at right wing. I mean, just just to finish my my. Is there anything you want to add to what Aaron said in terms of kind of hopeful incomings? Uh, I feel quite similar, to be honest. If there's outgoings, then absolutely, like, we can't afford to have gaps in the squad. Um, I think the players that are most likely to leave, when you look at, like, Tierney, Balogun, you know, the players that we're probably going to fetch quite a decent fee for if they were to go. Um. But equally, you'd want to keep those players in and around the squad just in case, right? They're, they're good, you know, both both good players, and especially Balogun 
we don't really know what to expect from him. And I think everyone's really keen to see what he might do in an Arsenal shirt. Um, any other incomings? Could, like we are linked. We are still being linked with a few players. Like you say, there's this question mark about the right side. And if Saka doesn't play, then who plays? And it seems like Reese Nelson might be that player, but then he keeps playing him on the left. So like, that's a bit weird. And it'll be very interesting to see what he does in this preseason when Saka doesn't play. Like, I don't know who Saka, who played in Saka's position when he came off today. I've no idea, actually. Um, and who came on and played on that right-hand side. That's one. We were being linked with a, was it a right-back from Germany recently? I can't remember his name now. And I think there were quite strong links. Could be making that up. Name's going to come to me later. So so it sounds like we're still kind of in the market. Um I can't see any like massive money signings, but maybe there might be like a squad player that comes in. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a bit more dependent on on outgoings, to be honest. Like if we lose Partey, then everything we talked about before about having like Rice, Partey, Jorginho as your midfield, like that kind of goes out the window. And then we're probably very, very short in that area. So then I would expect that we'd have to do something or we're looking at one of the youngsters potentially being ready. Um, yeah. But like, I mean, I think the thing is, mate, we've just been spoiled, haven't we? Because we've done all of the, we've done massive business very, very, very early on. All of the other, like, all of our rivals are looking at us being like, bloody hell, Arsenal are like, Arsenal mean business this summer, this season. So, you know, it's this one, it's, it's just that age old thing, right? Like we get excited about transfers, but we get more excited when they come towards the end of the window. But I think what we've done is really, really smart and we've got our business done early and hopefully Rice and Timber arrive ready for this next stage of preseason. And, you know, it's, yeah, I think it's perception, isn't it? Like, because we've done the business early, it's like, oh, are we bringing anyone else in? But really the three players that we're bringing in are huge, huge signings. So arguably all three come straight into the first team based on the money that we're spending. Like, mm. you know, so yeah, um, maybe, maybe very hard to predict, but I'm pretty happy with how the squad's looking at the moment. Agree. Me too. All right, guys. Well, look, the next time we will record will probably be um, at some point next week. We may have played another preseason game in America by that time. So listen, um, and hopefully we'll have Rice and Timber um, officially announced in our squad. So listen, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you, Russ, for your comments. Appreciate it. Mize, Aaron, and as always, a pleasure. And um, we will talk to you all later. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Bye. See ya.